Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of COPE, which stands for Community of Physician Ed- Educators. My name is Suzanne Witten, and I'm here with Saji Pillay. Welcome back. Welcome back. And we're so excited. We have our first guest. Um, joining us today is our TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine Assistant Artistic Director and also the theme lead for population health, Chase Krasno. She's Hello. also our clinical skills faculty member. Mm-hmm. It's true. Hi. Hi, it's nice to be here. Disclaimer is... Oh, the disclaimer. So... The views and opinions expressed by myself, Susan, Saji, and Chase today um, are our own views and opinions and in no way represent the views and opinions of the TCU and UNT Health Science Center School of Medicine. Great. Great. That's out of the way. Yes. All right. So, oh gosh, lots of lots of things have been happening. Is this what week number three of medical school? Yeah, oh. two weeks immersion and first week of school. Whoa. So, um, I, if we could just uh, fill everyone in, what have these students been up to, Chase? So they, they've been doing a lot already. Um, just this weekend, Saturday, we did a community experience as part of the immersions course. So this involved two lovely giant buses driving us to different parts of Fort Worth and introducing us to some of the folks who run community centers around the area. So we went to stop six and met, um, met the director for the Young Men's Leadership Academy. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. And then we went to Como and met people who are running the Como Community Center. We also went up to Diamond Hill and Northside and, uh, and got to meet some people from that area. So Very cool. It was a really, really rich experience for our students, especially students who are new to Fort Worth, to get a chance to really understand different parts of the community here. Yes. My favorite stop on that stop was we went to the Dock Bookshop yes. in the um, East Side Stop 6 area, and they have very cool programming. They host community events. It was really it was great to learn about. They're open mic nights. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Very cool. The Dock Bookshop. Yep. Cool. Nice. The other thing they've been up to, so they had their big uh, reveal with their physician development coaches as part of Welcome Week, and they've spent time getting to know their their teams, their families here at the school with their coaches. So that's been a, an exciting part of their development here. So this is a very unique aspect of a school, right? There's not a physician development coach uh, program somewhere else? There, there are a few coaching programs, but this one has been particularly rigorous. So these coaches went through a nine-month fellowship in which they learned from coaches uh, from the International Coaching Federation as well as some of the faculty uh, at our school and different parts of um, the TCU campus coming to to give them context. They also were trained in the compassionate practice pretty rigorously throughout that time. And uh, they just graduated last month and and then our students arrived. So it was kind of an awesome thing. Very cool. Yeah. So um, these coaches, um, we talked about that in our orientation with our preceptors. Um, how would we reach these coaches? Who do we know? How would we know who's who and So student students. affairs, they, they sort of are housed under the student affairs office. So reaching out through Danica 
Franks and her mm -hmm. shop is probably the best way to learn which students are affiliated with which coach. Mm -hmm. Or you can ask your student directly who their coach is right. um, and get that contact information so that if you wanted to connect with the coach for any reason, that that's the best way to do it. Can you give me an example of what I would, or where I would reach out to a coach? Yeah, if you noticed in your clinic that a student is struggling, that they've had, um, or they've had a particularly emotional experience in your clinic that day, um, or if they just seem, seem maybe they're running late, it's happened a few times or something like that, and you, you just wanna reach out to someone to touch base with them, that's the coach, that's okay. the person to, to touch base with, who can get in touch with the student, find out what's going on, provide them whatever support they need. Awesome. Sounds like a great resource. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And great for the students. Yeah. Yeah. How amazing. Uh, <laughs> I need a coach. I need, I need a coach, too. Yeah. You guys can come we, to we, me. We want to, we, about to open a shop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we talked about coaches, but we wanted, like, an exercise coach. Right? Ah, I see, I see. Yeah. Yes. So we're here today to talk about um, session one, which is um, interviewing 101, uh, patient-centered skills. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone who's listening had a great session zero. You were able to meet your student. Your student was oriented to the site. They had an opportunity to understand the patient's experience in your clinic. And then just uh, so you're, you're aware, they'll take their reflection about the patient experience in your clinic, and then when they go to their clinical skills, their first clinical skills session, they're going to spend about an hour and a half debriefing and talking about that patient experience. And so um, thank you to the preceptors for giving them this context and, and ability to have that experience. So now, um, during the week of August 5th, uh, your students will come out for this session one. And so before session one, they'll have had that first clinical skills session where they debriefed, and they'll also talk about these patient-centered skills. Um, I was wondering, Saji, could you tell us a little bit about this um, this method of interviewing? What's this all about, this Smith's five-step patient-centered interviewing? Right, so this is an amazing book, um, and I'm not gonna downplay this at all. Um, being a clinician and just practicing for years, we just know that we, we, we feel like we know what it takes to interview and, and talk to a patient, uh, but um, after reading this book, it was enlightening. Um, the way it introduces it and the way we're giving it to the student at this early part of their career is going to make them amazing. So um, if you had a chance to look at Smith's or you're able to actually really look at um, the or even just try to look at the book itself. It, it, it's worth buying, um, but basically what we're doing is we're following their um, stages in which we're, we're teaching the, the skills. And for those of you who are interested, like the students get a list of pre-work, like things to look at to prepare for sessions. And I'm gonna send you, there's a YouTube video that was made by 
some of the contributors and authors of this um, Smith's interviewing uh, textbook. So it's about a 14 minute video which kind of lays out the steps and gives a demonstration. And then also there's a PDF file that has um, the, the, the list listing of these five steps of patient-centered interviewing for your review if you're interested. Um, so that'll be on the email that corresponds to this podcast. All right, so um, what we thought we'd do now is just um, let you know what the objectives for the students will be um, for this session. Um, and so, and this is what you'll see in the skillseval.live link that will be um, push notified via text um, to you really the Monday morning of the 5th of August. And hopefully um, this will be successful. You'll just click on that link and then these objectives will be right there in front of you. But I'll just um, say these objectives. So the students have three objectives for this session. Um, the first one is to practice techniques of introduction and initiation of a patient encounter. Um, the second one, Saji. Demonstrate skills related to setting the stage, eliciting chief concerns, setting an agenda, inquiring about the chief concern, and eliciting the patient's story. Whew. So Ooh, that's so a lot of stuff. That's a mouthful for really just uh, just in. getting into yes, <laughs> a mouthful for walking, walking in, saying hello, <laughs> and getting about the letting the patient tell their story. That right. that first let it, letting the patient get to ninety seconds instead of interrupting at now we know because of Chase eleven seconds. So we don't want that. And then Chase, what's our third objective for uh, the session? The third objective is to identify the who, where, what in the compassionate practice framework explicitly during a patient encounter. And I think you're a perfect person to talk about this objective. We totally set you up. So can you tell us, I think some, some, probably the majority of the preceptors in our phase one LIC came to our kickoff and so had some nice in-person introduction to this. But if you could just give us a, a little brief information about this, that would be cool. Sure. So who, where, what is sort of a, it's a foundational component of the framework. And what this is about is, is identifying um, the, the baseline of, of the other person, as well as yourself. I mean, it's just as important to consider your own who, where, and what coming into that room as it is to spend a moment identifying with the other person's who, where, and what. What do I mean by who, where, what? Yes. It's very jargony. Yes. So the who, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, please, I'm a communications tell us. person. <laughs> tell us more. Jargon. Um, the who is really focused on um, specific identity characteristics. These are facts about this person. So mine might be, um, I'm a woman, I'm white, I am queer, I am etc, 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 right? These are facts about who I am. The where talks about where I'm coming from. So this could be uh, emotional context. Where am I coming from emotionally? When I arrived in this space, I was coming off of a meeting where I felt really good about how things went. So I, I came in emotionally feeling good, positive, and grounded. Um, and the what is what is my goal? So when I came into this room, my goal was to have a successful conversation with you uh, on record. <laughs> right? yes. Um, yes. So the, that's the who, where, what. It's who are you, where are you coming from, and what do you want? As well as who am I, where am I coming from, and what do I want? And that it's important to consider these facets of um, communicating with someone else so that you can, you can build a foundation that is empathetic. Yes, because only from there can you take compassionate action. Yes, 
What does that mean, compassionate action? Yeah, it's really, so compassion is empathy in action. So it doesn't, your empathy, um, people don't know it unless you express it. And so if you can think of compassionate action as actually just making the gestures, making the statement, demonstrating it somehow so that it's communicated to the other person. I think what happens so often is we feel empathetic, but the other person doesn't see it or experience that empathy. Yes. So it's about it's about putting that empathy that that you're you're processing that you're recognizing in yourself and trans translating it into some some sort of action that the other person can receive. Can you tell us? Um, I guess in clinical skills, we're going to go through a role play. So how would this? play out. Yeah. Yeah. So these students um, with the clinical skills cohort faculty are going to have an opportunity to role play this initial part of the encounter. And um, each student will have a chance to play or to, to practice as the uh, medical student entering the room and speaking to a patient. Each student will also experience sitting, standing in the shoes of the patient, which helps to build that sort of empathetic response. What is it like to be the receiver of these questions, of this energy that the physician brings into the room? And students will also have the chance to observe the interaction. So they'll really be able to rotate through three different roles to look at a patient encounter from three different perspectives, which gives them the chance to, to think more deeply, to reflect more deeply on, on these different experiences um, that occur in the room. You're giving them a script, right, um, in which the, the student that's coming in, can you explain how that would... A script to the yeah. patient or to the, the student? To the, the medical student. Medical student. So they, they, it's a loose script coming yeah. from Smith's, right? Yeah. So it's going to be demonstrated to them. Suzanne is actually our, uh, our actor for the day. We're doing a, a kind of demonstrated role play, and we're going to show a, a not-so-great clinical uh, encounter. I'm probably good at that. <laughs> She's actually really good at that. The faculty already saw that. Yeah. 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 Where we can stop and start this and students will have a chance to notice, um, you know, what went well and what didn't. They'll be able to say, you interrupted the patient really quickly. They didn't get a chance to finish. Um, you came into the room really harried and, and, and bringing your stuff from your last encounter and that impacted this encounter. Um, so they'll have a chance to observe and get some of this language in their minds prior to practicing their role play. Well, this sounds amazing. I yeah. think this is a great way for the student to kind of reflect, right, on each part and piece of their um, introduction. Yeah, I think yeah. with the goal in mind that that it's very easy to focus on yourself, right. right? And we want from the very beginning to start challenging them to broaden their observation skills, not just to notice how their own, their own performance mm -hmm. and not constantly just be thinking about their own performance, but recognizing how that's impacting the person in the room. Right, yes. Great. So to sum <coughs> it up for the preceptor, so during this session, we totally want you to observe um, introduction and initiation of the patient encounter for at least one patient. So, so, so just make sure you carve out time to observe your student doing that. And then the second thing we wanna do is Saji. Listen and observe for open-ended questions and attentive listening as the student elicits the chief concern and history of present illness. And so what would be some, some ways to do attentive listening? 
so so you would allow i mean i guess you, you would try to observe and see if they're not interrupting right they're, yes. they're just really going to listen to what the patient has to say let them finish their complete thoughts and thoughts that they may have to want to explain themselves uh, why they're there and uh, what they want to, to get out of this visit yes totally so you know is the student able to be quiet to yes. not interrupt to have silence and 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 um, let the patient tell their story and then um, the third thing we want um, you to to deliberately do would be chase to watch for body language, tone of voice, timing, and pace of communication that signals empathy and helps the patient express themselves. And why is that important? Oh, it's so important. <laughs> I mean, um, we, we, they say, research tells us that, um, especially in the first two minutes, it's 55% body language uh, that, that impacts communication, and 38% is tone of voice, and only 7% is what you actually say. So, so much is coming from how you're carrying yourself and the tone in which you're expressing yourself um, that can build rapport or break it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to, is, is this student responding to the physical affect of the patient in the room? If this person is not making eye contact and their shoulders are slumped and they're not communicating, are you staying up here? Are you getting really chipper? Because that could be, that could be really... Um, problematic and break right. break a sense of trust so the key is not to um, be prescriptive like you can't just lean in and that's not always the right thing to do it's about reading the room and mirroring uh, the body language of the, the person and the tone of the person that you're working right. with nice Great. and then the last thing that we um, definitely want you to try to get to would be just to talk about the who where what um, for a patient um, in an encounter with your student um, so those are the basics for this first session, uh, 101 Patient-Centered Skills. Um, so for those of you who um, are time crunched, um, we're at about ooh, a little over our our, our time goal, um, but the, that, that's the that's the basics um, for this session. And so, if you want to dash, we understand. And then now we were just going to spend a little time getting to know Chase, and because um, <laughs> we have this great opportunity to get to know her. And um, so, uh, thanks those who um, are listening. And now, Chase. Yeah. Hi. Hey. So, can you um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote this is like an it is a classic interview right. job question, right? Right. We use tell this with more. our students so. to help them practice right. uh, occasionally for interviews. It's like you're going to be asked this question, so um, I don't. I need to practice my response. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm an actor. First. First and foremost, I think that that's a that's a big part of my identity. Um, I have a theater company in Austin, Texas, called Paper Chairs. Oh wow! And oh. yeah, they're they're still up and running without me, so they didn't need me as much as I thought they did. But <laughs> uh, I still have the chance to to work with them from a distance, and um, I I have always used theater in healthcare. That's always been part of the. The marriage for me was my passion for medicine and healthcare, and my passion for theater um, as a mechanism to to help improve conversations around social justice in particular. So I have my graduate degree in public health, and 
um, a long history of acting and producing theater. So that's that's my weird jam. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. I mean, it also means you're a good leader if your theater group is still running. You you Thanks, taught someone yeah. how to carry on. Well, yeah. I ha- we had a good group when we started. There there were a few of us who started this together, and um, and. It's an awesome crew. Yeah. So if you're ever down in Austin and you want to see a show, look for look for a Paper Chairs show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we will. We will. It's only three hours away. <laughs> it's only three yeah. hours away. Yeah. It's a good weekend trip. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So tell us a, a little more, because I, I really think a cool part of our school is the narrative reflection and communication aspect of the curriculum. So how did how did that happen like how did you become involved in that how did all the team come together yeah so it's an int- it's been a really awesome experience um i really never thought i was going to find a job <laughs> that actually let me do both of these things together in one place uh and i was actually working in boston doing this teaching improv and communication skills to clinical researchers, um, but it was only a part-time gig. That's kind of all I could get. And part of um, part of the connection I made was with Yvonne and Val through their previous work at the Alan Aldous Center um, for Communicating Science up in Stony Brook. And I went there to train and met them and was so impressed and moved and inspired by the work they were doing and sort of let them know that and let them know that I was looking for opportunities to to do this more regularly. And so when Yvonne found herself here, uh, she reached out to me and and said, there's this this crazy thing happening in Texas. And I was like, all right, Texas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm born and raised in Texas and thought I would never live here again. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm out. So I was like, really? Texas? All right. But I am happy. I am so, and I didn't know Fort Worth at all, but I've been really happy to be here. And, um, and this team that we've, we've brought together is, is pretty incredible. Um, Val, is an actor as well with a lot of experience teaching science communication skills across uh, across the globe. Uh, Yvonne is a physician and a journalist, as you know, and we've just got our newest team member, Lauren Mitchell, who is a writer and um, a narrative medicine expert. So she just finished her doctorate in English and she has her master's degree in narrative medicine. So it's yeah. a really cool team and it, everybody's bringing a little something with yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. I think in clinical skills, it's it's a new life. You know, it, it brings so much enrichment to the skills that they have to know. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing that way. The medical humanities is making its way. It's yeah. slow and steady. And I think we're going to see more and more opportunities for people with these, these kinds of backgrounds, like, yeah. like mine and Lauren's and mm-hmm. Val's with these, these mixed backgrounds Mm -hmm. but have a passion or draw toward health and social justice I mean it's been um I think it's been growing you see a lot of programs that take advantage of museums Mm -hmm. um I have a dear friend here and we're Mm -hmm. starting a partnership with the museum already Mm -hmm. the modern um nice and we're going to be working on bringing faculty staff and students regularly to the modern in order to experience artwork, nice. to enhance uh, critical thinking, observation skills, uh, to challenge that that side of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're still learning STEM, 
right? right. You're, you're bringing, you're bringing right. humanities and art into the mix to really help round your education out, right. which I think is, is excellent. Mm-hmm. Agree, agree. Yeah. It makes the complete decision. It's right. steam. Yeah. yeah. Steam. Is it steamy? It's steamy. <laughs> it, is, it is super steamy, like a bag oh, of peas. Wow. <laughs> Okay, we won't go there. No, no. that's an old reference. I don't think anyone yeah. watches that show anymore. Yeah, you did, me. How much communication did you get in your medical education? Because I think we probably trained around communication. the same around the same time. They said do this. I said okay. Yes, me too. Me too. So we kind of picked it up along the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I think practice. Yes, in clinical yeah. practice, even in residency, there yeah. was no teaching about communication. I was like, if you get a bad patient remark. Or, you know, a nurse complained about you. You're like, oh, what would you say? That was the only communication. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, it's a very reactive yeah, and reactive. punitive. Yeah. 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 It's like if, if yeah. there was like, oh, yeah, you know, this, there... this pimping term. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. To me, yeah. and I felt, to oh, me oh, from been... the outside, I mean, I, I have physicians in my family, but had still been protected from the pimping term. Yeah. And when I've been hearing it so much here, I'm like, that is awful. Yeah. yeah. Not just the term, but the process. The process. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. You really feel like a Question. pimp. And to, to exhaustion, right? Yeah. Until you demonstrate you don't know anything. Yeah, yes. and then you're like, aha, <laughs> I got you. Which is horrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. horrible. What a horrible culture. I know, but yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a hard culture to break also. Yeah, know, so. but I think a key part of that, which I'm excited for us, for our school, is, is to really help instill um, a, a spirit of, change yes. change agent yes. inside mm-hmm. the student yes. and yeah. much of the time communication training is really focused on um on on just what you do like externally right the words you speak or what you're presenting to someone else we're really trying to back it up into introspection first because so much of who you communicate with how you communicate and from where you communicate has to do with yourself and your relationship with yourself and how much you understand about yourself um, and your goals and your emotional state. Um, so we're really trying to, to get students to think deeply about communication starts here. It starts with you. And then it, and then it, you work into interpersonal communication skills where yeah. you are communicating with another person. And I think, and then all the way up, that impact on your community, your culture, the society mm-hmm. that you're working within and uh, that you have some some power and some some resilience so it's kind of a cool yeah it's very cool it's a different in reflection also like a lot of the leadership uh, books out there it's it's all about starting with yourself right Mm -hmm. so it'd be interesting just to know also that these students are probably going to be natural leaders yeah you know to make that change because they will have that insight a little bit more um obviously um, reading others so that they're mm-hmm. able to make um, the right choices and yeah that, that would be interesting to know because yeah. they'll be natural leaders and yeah to be yeah. able to take responsibility for your own mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. for your own responses mm-hmm. um, I mean it's a hard lesson for for many people and, and, and to, to understand that you, while you can't change what happens to mm-hmm. you you can change how you react to it yeah. right. and the earlier you can man that get that skill mm-hmm. um in place and then the better yes. you'll be at, at many things yes 
Because I, I think it, we're so deliberate about um, carefully and empathically communicating with patients. And then hopefully we'll also, that will trickle into like um, care, kindly and empathically communicating with other each other, right? Because mm-hmm. I read there was a nice New England Journal Perspectives article and they talked about um, there's, there's a, a field of study uh, in physician communication where they talk about rude, it's even, it has an acronym, RDA behavior, rude, dismissive, and aggressive behavior. We do it so much that there's an acronym for it, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, that's a sign that there's yeah. a, a real need, you yeah. know? So, yeah. so I'm excited that we're trying to address this, you yeah, know, to change this culture. Really, I think it's a valuable, valuable thing. And yeah. 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 To know that science and communication can go well together. Yes, it can. It must. It has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. feel like in medical school, right, we, we concentrated so much on just learning, 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 yeah. that, yeah, that the, the form of actually communicating and knowing that the end result of learning is for our patient mm-hmm. uh, happens so much later, I think. Yeah. That's well, and then to, like switch hats really quickly and talk about public health i mean this is a huge part of public health for me is making good communicators out of scientists and clinicians so that they can communicate with the public right right, in a way that really um accurately and uh, succinctly represents what's going on in medicine i mean the physician experience has been misrepresented by media, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and, and there's not a lot of compassion toward physician experience in, in yeah. the public right now. Yeah. And if you had a platform and a way of communicating effectively uh, as physicians to the public about your experience in the clinic and in the system, and then there, was, there were opportunities to, to work together for change, um, that's really meaningful. It's better mm-hmm. for the patients, it's better for this, the staff at these hospitals and these facilities is better for the, the yeah. clinicians yeah. Um, as well as just sort of scientific information and mm-hmm. understanding the public understanding of science is really it can be quite poor because people don't know how to talk about their work mm-hmm. in a way that resonates with the public so then you end up with this lack of uh, knowledge this lack of adherence this lack yeah. of yeah. Um, because we don't communicate well. Mm-hmm. So beyond just the, the patient-physician encounter, how are we communicating to the public? And is it effective? Is it is it gripping or engaging at all? Or are people right. just like eye-rolling the whole thing and, yeah. and blowing it off? And teaching from that place, too, for that purpose is really exciting. Yeah. 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 All right. That's so nice. Yeah, you said so many good things. <laughs> cool. I'm sorry I yeah. ran us up on time. No, no, no. This is great. Oh, we could talk a lot longer, but I know, Chase, we've kept you a long time. No, I'm happy to be here. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us for COPE. 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 And join us next time when we continue uh, the discussion about session two where we'll talk about uh, clinician-centered skills. These are things we do very well. Right. (laughs) So. Master at. Yes. All right. (laughs) Thanks very much. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Bye.